Turn to Luke chapter 5. We are in a series entitled Discovering the Divine. And we're looking at actual encounters that Jesus had with people. And the last few weeks we've been looking at encounters that he had with the disciples. And this week I entitled this The Fishing Disciples. This is a very famous passage of Scripture where Jesus calls the disciples to become fishers of people, to take what they do in the natural and to make it supernatural. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. James and John and Simon and Andrew were partners. Each had a boat. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, very famous passage. Matthew records either this instance or one similar to this. When Jesus was walking along the shore, saw Simon and Andrew and James and John and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's probably the quote you're most familiar with. Let me explain something to you, though. This is a few months after Jesus began his public ministry. He had already met the disciples after he was baptized at the baptism of John. They had come up and talked with him. They had been baptized by John. They believed in Jesus. They believed in him as the Messiah. But this is a few months after his public ministry. And what he's doing here is he is calling them to discipleship. Listen to me very carefully. This call to be a fisher of people, every disciple receives this call. Every disciple is called by Jesus to go all the way with him. There is a difference between being a believer and a disciple. Listen to me very carefully. A believer has entered the kingdom. A disciple is building the kingdom. That's the difference. And here's what I want to know from you today. Are you just a believer or are you a disciple? Are you doing something to build the kingdom? Each of you has gifts and abilities and talents in the natural. Are you taking the gifts and abilities that you have in the natural and using those gifts and abilities to build the kingdom? So we could actually, this is, I call it fishing disciples because that's what they did in the natural. Jesus turned it into the supernatural. You could call the next four things I'm going to talk about, though, you could call these the four tests of discipleship. Let me show you what I call the four tests of discipleship from this passage, all right? Number one is, I call it the will you do something test. The will you do something test. Now, Jesus is standing on the shore, the Bible says, of Lake Gennesaret. Actually, this is the Sea of Galilee. 
It's known as Lake Gennesaret because the people of that region called it their lake, in essence. It's also called the Sea of Tiberias because the people that lived in Tiberias called it their sea. You understand what I'm saying? It'd be like Grapevine Lake, well, someone might call it South Lake Lake or Fowler Mound Lake. It's just the people of the region called it what they wanted to call it. But in actuality, we know that as the region grew and as people began to travel more, they began to see how large it was, so they began to call it the Sea of Galilee. It's actually called the Lake of Gennesaret all the way back in Numbers. That's what it was called for many years. Jesus is teaching on the shore, and the crowd is growing. Now, here's what the Bible indicates. The longer Jesus taught, the larger the crowd grew. I personally have never had that problem. (laughs) longer I teach, the more people leave. But with Jesus, this is what happens, all right? So he's teaching, and the crowd keeps growing, and people keep trying to get closer. No microphones, no sound systems. They keep trying to scoot up, excuse me, scoot, and they try to get closer and closer. And Jesus has to keep backing up and backing up until he's almost in the water. And so there's two boats there. There's Simon and Andrew's boat, or Simon Peter, and there's James and John's boat, and they're partners in business. They have a business. It's a fishing business. And so he gets into Simon's boat and he says, would you row the boat out some so that I can continue teaching? Now, think about this, all right? First of all, Simon had worked all night. We already know that. He had worked all night. I used to work the graveyard shift. I worked from 11 at night until 7 in the morning. There's one thing that you want to do after working all night. And what is it? Sleep. That's all you want to do. Simon wanted to go home, take a bubble bath, and go to bed. That's all he wanted to do. And yet Jesus said, will you do this for me? Now, again, I want you to think about this. This is not Simon's ultimate ministry call. Would you agree with that? Not Peter's ultimate ministry call. His ultimate ministry call was to be a chief apostle in the church. To be one of the pillars that the church is built on. But... The first thing Jesus asked him to do is row the boat out. And, by the way, keep it in place. That just goes without saying. Because I don't know how many of you have ever been in a boat, but boats don't just float. Boats drift. So not only do you have to get it out there, but it's either going to be drifting in constantly to the shore, or it's going to be drifting out. So he's got to hold the boat in place. He's got to do it. But it is a menial task. His ultimate call is to be one of the chief apostles. I wonder, though... If he would have become one of the chief apostles, if he had responded and said to Jesus, row your own boat out, pal. Cut your sermon short, pal. Send the crowd home early, pal. I'm tired. See, I'm telling you, Jesus is testing Peter. Here's the first test of discipleship. This is not the test of will you do what you want to do. This is the test of will you do something. Even if it's not what you want to do, and even if it's not your ultimate ministry call, will you just volunteer to do something? Let me give you another name for this test. This is the which end of the shovel do you use test. There's a shovel, and a shovel has two ends. There is a digging end, and there is a leaning end. You can dig with it, or you can lean on it. And when you're looking for leaders, you're looking for people who know how to use the right end of the shovel. When we're talking about which end of the shovel do you use, let me just give you a graphic illustration that all of you will relate to. 
Have you ever seen a highway work crew? I would just like to get something off my chest for a minute. Is that all right with you? They closed down five miles of highway to work on 12 feet of pavement. Three lanes, they'll close off two of them. You drive for miles and you never see a soul. Is that right? Why do you have to close off that much to fix this right here? There's no reason for it. And then when you finally get up to where you see people, you'll see four people working and 36 supervisors. Is that right? If you're here and you work for the highway department, let me help you for a moment, all right? You need to flip this ratio. You need to have 36 workers and four supervisors. Why does it take years to build a highway? Because we got more supervisors than workers. And by the way, if you'd really like to get highways built fast, just put a woman as the supervisor. Turn the game off. Turn the game off and get up and do something. Your break's over. You'll be standing in the unemployment line tomorrow listening to the game if you don't turn it off. Now, that's an illustration we all can relate to. Well, let me just relate it to something else. Why is it taking so long to build the church? National statistics are that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it is amazing to me, as the pastor of a church, of how many people who have never pastored a church but know how to do it better than I do. That's amazing to me. It's incredible how many people are experts at doing something they've never done before. I'm telling you, we don't need more chiefs. We need some people who will do something. We need some volunteers. Listen, I'm asking you something. Will you do something? And the reason that I'm asking you is twofold. Yes, I want to see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ built. Yes, I want to see the church advance and take the city for God and change this nation and the world. But also, I know that the best thing for you and the best way you're going to grow in the kingdom is to get involved. It is proven over and over again that people that just attend do not mature as quickly in their walk with the Lord as people who are active in the church and who are involved. So here's the first test, the will you do something Test. Will you just do something? Here's the second test. The will you do what he tells you to do test. Will you do what he tells you to do? He told Peter to launch out into the deep, even though Peter had worked all night. He told him to do something. First of all, he asked him, would you do this? Row the boat out. So then he tells him, now launch out into the deep and let your nets down. So here's the test of will you do What he tells you to do, here's a good one, will you do what he tells you to do even if you're tired? Even if you're tired, will you do what he tells you to do? Have you ever been asked to volunteer in the church when you were tired? It's amazing how many of us can relate to that. Luke 5, verse 5, in the NIV says, Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Watch these next few verses, this next few words. But because you say so, I will. I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I will. That's a great definition of faith right there. 
I've worked hard all night. Nothing that I've done has worked thus far. But because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. And great blessing, please listen to this. Great blessing came to Peter in his business because he volunteered, because he obeyed, because he helped Jesus build the kingdom. All he did was hold the boat in place at first, and then Jesus volunteers to help him. Listen to this. Because Peter volunteered to help Jesus build the kingdom, Jesus volunteered to help Peter build his business. That's better than you thought it was. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because Peter volunteered to help Jesus build the kingdom. And what he did was a menial task. Just hold the boat in place so I can keep preaching. Because Peter volunteered to help Jesus build the kingdom, Jesus volunteered to help Peter build his business. Why? Because Peter said, I'll do what you say. I think there are many people that are missing a great blessing in business because they're too busy to help build the kingdom. If you're too busy to help build the kingdom, you're too busy. Wouldn't it be a terrible waste of a life to live on this earth and build a great business and die and never build the kingdom? What a waste for all eternity. Peter was a very action-oriented person. Jesus knew this. He didn't, there was no problem with Peter doing something. It was, will you do what you're told to do? You realize there are a lot of action-oriented people that are self-starters, but they can't work on a team, and they can't do what they're told to do. That, that was what Jesus was testing. This is the next test of discipleship. You cannot in any way say Peter was not action-oriented. You remember when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden? Who was it that took a sword and whacked off a soldier's ear? Huh? Of course, you know, Jesus fixed it in the end, so it was no big deal, really. But the point is, he's very action-oriented. Here's what Jesus wants to do. I know you'll do something on your own, but will you do what you're told to do? Here's the third test of discipleship. The will you give him the glory test. Will you give him the glory test? Now, let me, let me say something about this test. You can't pass this test until you get involved. In other words, you can't pass this test until you do something. Because that's when God moves. When you get involved, then God blesses, and then you get to take the test of will you give him the glory or not. And that's what this next test is. Peter makes, um, okay, I'm going to use a word that's not a word, okay? I know this is not a word, but I just want to use it because it's the best way to describe what I feel about what Peter said. Peter said to Jesus, now think about this, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, okay? Here's what I think about that. I think that's the stupidest thing you can say. I don't think there is a stupider, I know these are not words, but I'm going to use them. I don't think there is a stupider thing you can say. Listen, he said to Jesus, depart from me. Okay, can't say anything more stupid than that. You don't want Jesus to depart from you, right? And the reason that he gave was because I'm a sinful man. Okay, that's the whole reason you need Jesus to stay. Not why you need him to go. That's why you need him to stay, right? 
Now, why did he say this? For years I've tried to figure it out. I think I finally got some revelation on it this last week. I really think that he just, you know, you ever say something and, and you afterwards you think, that's a stupid thing to say. You don't know what you're trying to say, but there's something in your heart. Okay, here's what I think he was trying to say. All these fish, this wasn't me. Because I know me. This was you. Here's what I think he's really saying. You get all the credit. This was supernatural. Think about this. They filled their boats so full of fish that two boats began to sink. Now, none of you fishermen here have ever done that. (laughs) Not one of you have ever had your boat start to sink because you caught so many fish. Two boats began to sink. When they got to the shore, wasn't this a Kodak moment? Wouldn't this been a perfect opportunity to line the fish up, get the cameras out? Look what we did. This was a perfect moment to get the glory. By the way, if you are a fisherman and you ever catch a fish, when the person takes the picture, hold the fish out like this. It'll look bigger on the camera. I personally have never done that, but I have friends that have, by the way. This was a perfect Kodak moment. This was a perfect moment when everybody came running to say, man, you guys are great fishermen. Instead, Peter is on his knees like this saying, you get the credit, God. That wasn't me. That was you. I wonder how many people have experienced a great blessing of God, but because they didn't give him the credit for it, they've only experienced one. That's something you could think about. Have you ever had God really bless you, but did you take the credit? You know, I know we have little catchphrases as believers. Yes, God gets all the glory. Yes, that was all God. It was all God. But what about in your heart? I'm telling you, in Peter's heart that day, he knew that wasn't him. For instance, let me give you some things. Maybe you volunteer to teach a life group in the church. And uh, people start coming up to you, and the life group's growing, and they start telling you how good you are. And so, before you know it, you say something like this. Well, I thought I'd be good at this, but I didn't know I'd be this good. (laughs) Are you volunteering? You work on a team in the church, and you actually have an idea. You pray before. God, give us ideas. Give us ideas. And while you're in the meeting, you get an idea. It's God who gave it. But you say, hey, I got an idea. And you share the idea. And then everyone bats it around. And pretty soon it becomes a full-blown idea. And then we do it in the church. And then people come up and say, man, wasn't that a great event? And you say, well, actually, it was my idea. Human nature always tries to figure out a way to get the credit. And I'm telling you, this is a test of discipleship. Jesus is calling the twelve men around him that he wants to be leaders and he's saying first of all i want to find out if you'll just do something if you'll just do a menial task even though it has no glory in it at all second of all i want to see if you'll do what you're told third of all i want to see once you get blessed if you'll give me the credit for it if you'll give me the glory for it and here's the fourth test the will you do the main thing test the will you do the main thing test These guys had just had the best day in business they'd ever had. You agree with that? I don't think they'd ever had a day in business where their nets begin to tear and their boats begin to sink. I mean, that's kind of a basic assumption, right? Had the best day. Jesus turns at the end, right at the end, and he does something that only Jesus would be the genius enough to do this. 
He calls the guys over the side. He says, listen to me, guys. Was that fun? Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that a blast? You worked as a team, and you were successful, and you did something, you accomplished something. Wasn't that a blast? Yes, that was a blast. Just okay, listen to me. Listen to me. I want to tell you something that's more fun than that. See, guys, let's just analyze for a minute what just happened. You just caught a bunch of scaly underwater creatures. And now you're going to go to the market and you're going to exchange those creatures for dollars. Nothing wrong with dollars. But after you do that, then what are you going to do? Is this joy going to last? Are you going to have to do something after this to feel better tomorrow? This isn't what it's all about. And then here's what he said. He said, guys, here's what I want to show you. What you've been doing in the natural, I'm going to change it a little bit. And you and I are going to do it in the supernatural. Instead of catching small fish for dollars, instead of going after dollars, listen to me. We're going to go after destinies. We're going to go after people. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. I'm going to show you how to catch people. And I'm going to show you how to change a person's destiny. Not only on this earth, but for eternity. It's going to be the most incredible thing you've ever done. It's going to be the most exciting thing you've ever been a part of. Listen, what you did today with these scaly underwater creatures, big deal. I'm telling you that I'm giving you the chance to get involved in something, but it's going to take total commitment. I'm giving you the chance to get involved in something that you're going to see people's lives changed. And it's going to be the greatest joy you've ever had in your life. See, all of us have to make dollars. It's okay to make dollars. What you don't want to do is pursue dollars. You want to pursue destinies. You want to pursue people. You want to make dollars, just don't pursue them. There's a lot of people who believe if you pursue dollars, you'll reach your destiny. It's not true. Here's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these dollars, all these things you need, will be added unto you. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to him, listen guys, I want to give you the opportunity to do something that's bigger than you've ever done before. Listen to me carefully. We're talking about little fish and big fish here. We're talking about dollars versus destiny. And I want to tell you something. If you get more excited about little fish, dollars, than you do about big fish, people, you got your priorities all mixed up. And you'll never know joy. You'll never know peace. You'll never know satisfaction until you get involved. Don't just be a believer. That's the whole message today. we got a church full of believers. We want a church full of disciples. You can actively build the kingdom of God. You have gifts and abilities and talents that God has blessed you with, and He allows you to make dollars for your family with them. But I'm telling you, you can change destinies with your gifts. And it will be the most exciting thing you've ever done. I thought this last week as I was preparing this. I was reminded of two people in our church. One owns one of the largest corporations. He founded it, built it himself. If I told you the name, every one of you would know it. I promise you. I just don't want to because I don't want to point him out. He's in our church. We baptized him, built this large company. He's a CEO. The other one's a widow in our church. I just thought about these two people because they both said almost the exact same thing to me. This head of this corporation 
volunteered to teach one of our classes on leadership here. We asked him to, by the way. We said, would you teach a class on leadership? He taught the class on leadership. I went to lunch with him afterwards. You know what he said to me? It's the most satisfying thing I've ever done. Building a company can't even compare to building the kingdom. I want to spend the rest of my life building the kingdom. That's what he said to me. After just one class, he just taught one class, and he got so excited. He said, it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. This widow is in our church. Pretty soon she gets involved in a life group. Then she becomes a leader of a life group. Then she becomes a section leader. I'm sitting down talking to her a while back. Here's what she said to me. This is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Seeing these ladies' lives change. I've never done anything more fulfilling or more satisfying than this. Here's what I'm asking you to do. What are you doing to build the kingdom? I'm telling you, there's more fun and more joy and more satisfaction out there than just coming on the weekends and sitting in a chair. And it's called being a disciple and getting actively involved in building the kingdom. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Will you become a disciple and not just a believer? And if you're not a believer... Will you become a believer today? Jesus died to pay for your sins, your failures, your mistakes. You can receive Him today as your Lord and Savior. In a moment, we'll dismiss. And when we dismiss, we'll have people here at the front to minister to you. If you have any prayer needs, we want to pray with you. If you don't know the Lord, we want to introduce you to the Lord and allow you to get... Please don't leave. Please don't leave if you need to get your life right with God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would... Cause this message, just this simple few minutes that I've shared, the truths from your scripture. Lord, would you make these truths applicable to every person here to to do something, to get involved, to, to do what you tell us to do. To give you the credit when you bless us. And Lord, that every one of us would be about the main thing. And that is catching people for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.